Oi, oi, and welcome to the 100th Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, Southstand chum, bearded legend, the talk sport quoted man himself, Mr. Paul Levy. I'm back. I've been loaned back to the Orient Outlook podcast <laughs> here on a season-long loan. Everybody, uh, welcome back. Uh, it's great to have you back with us. Uh, as you know, it's been a couple. It's been a chaotic couple of weeks since episode number ninety-nine, but we have made it to the big one hundred. Well done. Thank you to everyone who's listened to any of our previous episodes, um, and a special thanks go to those who have been with us since episode one in July two thousand and fourteen. And as we keep saying, we didn't think when we set this up we'd have enough. Material to fill half an hour, so I'd like to thank Francesco Bichetti <laughs> for all of your mistakes, your errors, um, because without you, this wouldn't have been possible. So Absolutely. thank you very much. Good call. Um, and obviously all your, your entourage as well. Uh, this week, we've got two games to talk about. The news uh, that the players and the club employees have not been paid, an update on our auction items for the Loughrea Generation Fund, and plenty of other news from around the club. So with a packed show... Let's not hang around anymore. Let's crack on. As always, we start with our friends over at the Supporters Club. Yep, so two Supporters Club trips to tell you about. Luton on Friday the 14th of April, which is Good Friday. Coaches depart at midday. Cost is £20 and £17 for concessions. Now, this is an all-ticket match, so you need to go to Luton with a ticket, so make sure you buy one right now if you haven't got one already. And then the last trip of the season... The uh, promotion party, that's what we were talking about at first game of the season. Blackpool, Saturday the 6th of May. Coaches depart at half 10 in the morning and this kicks off at half past five. So a late kickoff there. £30 uh, cost there and £27 for concessions. For all trips, there's a £3 surcharge to the members and you can book either at the Supporters Club on match days or by calling the travel line on 077 yeah, there will also be a quiz on at the Supporters Club on Sunday the 23rd of April. Date for your diary there, guys. Quiz will start at 4pm. It's going to cost you £8 a head with teams of 8 and 16. No, teams of 8, so there's 8 people. Oh, team. and 16 teams 16 maximum. 16 teams max. There's okay. already 8 teams registered, so there's only 8 teams. 8 spaces left. left. Yeah, 8 team spaces left. So get in there early. Price include half-time refreshments. There are two ways to enter. Uh, you can either email LMD, that's Lima Mike Delta 85 at hotmail.co.uk, or you can phone 07833-297-258. All money from the quiz is going to the Loft Regeneration Fund. So just to be clear, there's a quiz at the Supporters Club on Sunday the 23rd of April at 4 o'clock. The cost is £8 a head, teams of eight, there's a 16-team capacity, yes. and eight of them are already signed up, so there are only eight team spaces left, yeah. so only 64 people can can enter. Yeah, very good, very thank good. You. So moving on to the, the trust update from Howard. So thank you, Howard, for sending over your update. Bit of a big one this week, so we'll... Start with Nicky Hunt, who uh, donated his goal-scoring match boots to help raise funds for the Acorn Children's Ward at the Whips Cross Hospital. He visited the ward alongside the winning bidder and O's fan Stuart Minchin, who passed on the £300 cheque to the hospital. So he auctioned those boots for £300. Um, Stuart is also a long-time sponsor at the O's, namely First Class Facilities Management, and a brilliant and thank you there to Stuart for donating £300. Yeah, well done, Stuart. A thank you also go to Headway East, 
who invited Howard for a visit to their base in Hackney for a tour of the facility and a spot of lunch. The brain injury charity raised over £600 to the, thanks to the generosity of fans who attended the Notts County game and they wanted to show their appreciation and just what goes on at Headway. A full story will appear on the website and lunch was delicious, by the way. No such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> How do you have a half live, eh? Yeah, and I know. Also, on Tuesday the 28th, Show Racism the Red Card presented their annual workshop in the gallery at the club to over 90 Year 6 pupils from Oakdale Primary School in Redbridge. Um, the Trust have supported the event for the past six years with players attending to share their experience. And this time, uh, those in the hot seat was Paul McCallum and Alex Chizak, the two first-team players rocked up to that one. Handsworth School in Chingford had a surprise visit from Callum, Kennedy and Tom Parks on Thursday when they turned up to see children involved in the school's secret book club. Pupils had written into their favourite players, um, uh, Leighton Orient, to see if reading and writing letters had any power these days over modern social media. And the players were so impressed they decided to pop in and see them in person. The afternoon included a fun football session, a Q&A and the obligatory autographs. But remember... It's secret. Yeah, and I must so, say, for that still to happen on Thursday, and which will come on to the events on Thursday, and for those players to still make that event for the Trust is very, very good. 100%. So next Thursday, on the 6th of April, there will be a stadium tour commencing at half past one. So these last up to two hours. Tour involves points of interest in both the West and East stands, and early booking is advisable due to the limited spaces. So you can book your spot right now uh, by emailing commercial at leightonorient.net for booking and information. And these always sell out. So, you know, if you're listening now, well, get for Thursday book. Just get booking, yeah. yeah. There is an Easter football course for boys and girls aged 5 to 12 years old run by the Leighton Orient Trust on the 10th and 11th of April. That's a Monday and Tuesday. And that's from 10am to 3pm each day. The cost is just £30 and booking can be made by calling 0208 556 5973 or you can email courses at leightonorienttrust.org.uk yep so thanks there to Howard that was a, an amazing update on the trust and just goes to show how much work they're doing so thank you to Howard Agree, yeah. and the team at the trust so also uh, we've been doing our own bits of work for Leighton Orient so we've been doing a great Orient Outlook auction um, so you've probably if you're listening you probably know we, uh, we've been getting uh, assigned shirts signed boots frame things here and there and more from ex-players uh, from the club to try and raise money from the regeneration fund so quick update so a massive well done firstly to Jay Lillington who won John Mackey's side and worn Ells charity match shirt for £225 yeah, thank all- you to Johnny Mack for giving us that shirt yes and thank you also to Nino Barone for winning Matt Baldry's signed and worn shirt from the 2013-14 season paying out a whopping 375 brilliant and that that was a that was there was two people bidding on that very late in the day and again thank you to Matt uh, for donating his shirt absolutely there. well done to Elliot Byrne for winning Charlie Daniels's boots for £170 yep Bournemouth fan Helen Dalton who obviously won't be listening to this but thank you to you <laughs> Uh, for winning the uh, Bournemouth signed shirt uh, with a winning bid of £350. And thanks to Orient Fan TV for sourcing those items from Charlie Daniels. And thank you to Charlie for being Absolutely. so generous. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, well done to Keith Byrne for winning the full Matt Lockwood kit for £550. And again, a massive thank you to Barry Nunn for giving us the item to auction as he had it stored away Um and, and, fair and play, said, you know, do you want it? Adding to that, people are giving up their prized 
yes. Orient memorabilia. And this isn't just any old player that might have played a few. These are proper Matt Lockwood, oh. Matt Baldry. Absolutely. You know, yeah. these are these are uh, John Mackey. You know, these are proper. You know iconic players of the modern time yeah you know so thank you to everybody for for digging deep on this and finally well done uh, to Paul West who this evening as we record it Sunday uh, for a winning for winning a framed 0708 signed shirt uh, which is also framed his winning uh, bid of 260 pound all adds up and also thanks to John McIntyre for for giving us that autumn that I actually uh, that item to auction. Easy yeah, for me to amazing. say. Amazing. And another late bid there. That went down right to the wire as yeah, well. Yeah, it did. Also, still outstanding. We've got the Romain Vincelo, 1415 signed and worn away shirt, still available. Bidding currently on £225. That ends at 8 pm Monday, the 3rd of April. And keep your eyes open as there is. We've got another two weeks worth of activity currently scheduled at as it stands, which we were going through just before we started recording. At least. And if we get any more donations, which, you know, by the looks of it, we've, we might do, there'll be more. So, so far, should we do a bigger amount raised? Yeah. yeah. I it was a bit like the children in need thing or the comic <laughs> relief thing. Um, so far, we've raised £2,605. So we'd just like to say thank you very much to everybody who's bid. Sorry if you weren't successful, but do keep an eye out. We have got some real great memorabilia. Yes. And, I, and someone approached me in the football, uh, in the supporters club uh, yesterday evening uh, and gave me a signed football from the likes of Paul Hild, Danny Carter, Terry Howard, Mark Cooper, Gary Bellamy. Great no, football. so that's 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 going to be a real real treasure piece for a few people who yeah. were there back in the sort of late eighties, maybe even early nineties. But yeah, so there's a lot. So if you haven't been successful, don't give up, don't despair. We have still got lots and lots like of it. stuff like it. So moving on to the week and a half, the crazy week and a half yeah. that was. So Thursday 23rd of March, not much to report except happy 19th birthday to Aaron Pollock. Yeah, and on Friday the 24th of March, Super Kevin Lisby and Dean Cox both gave interviews with local journalists saying how much they loved the club and how they would both love to come back one day and be involved. All Always. you can do, all you can do is cross your fingers and yeah. hope there's a god there. We're not that lucky, so that won't happen. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't think. Also, Tom Parks spoke to George Sessions ahead of the upcoming Crawley match, and he said, "Since the gaffer came in, our performances have probably been the best of the season at times. We've tried to play football and created a lot of chances, but we've not taken anything from the games. I think we just need to make sure we keep doing what we have been doing, and when Saturdays come, we have to keep the performances going." Hopefully it turns for us and we have a little bit of luck and pick up three points and then we can start to build on that. Yeah, uh, good quote that. On Saturday yeah. the 25th of March, the under-18s beat Plymouth 3-2 with goals coming from Danny Hatt, Raul Satoriu and a late winner from Miles Mercury. That's a new name for me. Yeah, that's, so, that's a cracking name. That's, that's a, a rock star name. name yeah. there, <laughs> uh, well done to the youth. Yes, so Crawley away. So my birthday, but you were there. and uh, Yeah, happy birthday you. Oh, thank you, mate. Yeah. Saturday the 20th. 37 years young so Paul was there so the team was announced Sergeant in goal back four of Judd Hunt Parks and Kennedy in midfield we had Alzate Kelly Attingan and Semedo with Karoma and Massey up front subs Granger Clark Mezegay Oching Moncur Adebayojo and Lee Bird. Yeah, so four changes from the Doncaster match the previous week as Sam Sargent Nicky Hunt Callum Kennedy and Stephen Alzate all come into the side with Alex Chisak out due to a groin injury and Michael Collins is out with a slight calf injury. Dean Cox was on the bench yeah. for Crawley because he, if you remember the previous yes. week, he was at Orient because he had a 
Thigh injury. Yes. So your views on that team then? No surprises here. I mean, it's it's really, it's really what you know. It kind of almost picks itself, but you can tell. You know, Webby really doesn't rate Rowan Lybird. Yeah, I probably agree with you on that one. For me, I'd rather see Karoma and Massey on the wings. I think that's where I where agree. they play best as opposed to playing up front. Yeah. And I'd say I prefer Dorby and Lybird up front. We're either. Adebayejo or Abraham's playing off them. Yeah, I agree. Like a big, like a more of a target man than a striker to play off, playing yeah. off them. Because Massey, Massey's done so well at right wing because he's got so many goals. They've just yeah. gone, oh, well, let's throw him up there because there's no one else. But yeah. like, there's other options. But you know, that was written when the team was announced. So yeah, you were so, there. Yeah, I just about made it as the minute silence because I had something oh, in yes, the morning, yeah. so I ended up leaving really late. Just about got there in time. It's a pokey little ground as the stadium, but the pitch is in beautiful condition. And when you go there, you sit in like what what feels like, I think it's a temporary stand. It's like it's on stilts. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you were sat in the sun, it was like roasting hot. So I had to move back, and ended up sitting next to um, the Adelmans. Yes. Which were, and Len M Four. It was it was a great spot, but I started to get a bit cold. I was like, I can't, like, yeah. I can't move forward. Yeah. Because then it just looks a bit odd. But um, the atmosphere, and I think what we saw on the pitch for the first twenty minutes at least, it really felt like a bit of a pre-season friendly or sort of two teams in teams in mid-table that had nothing to really play to play for it was a bit like meh but we've times. got we're in a relegation battle exactly right. exactly and Crawley weren't exactly mathematically safe yeah. either yeah. so there was still a fair bit to play for unfortunately Tom Parks went off injured and was replaced by Mezzagay in the first yeah. 20 we created two or three decent chances in that time but it was really a bit pedestrian at times to be okay. honest with you um, and then sort of no sooner had I sort of made that note than sort of 23 minutes on the clock and, <laughs> and Colin scored from a header really really poorly defended free kick and uh, and, and sort of puts us on the back foot at 1-0 um, you know we'd started off really brightly the first 20 minutes I think under Danny Webb has generally been good yeah, agree, we've yeah. generally scared the other team they didn't really know what to expect from us you know we are on the counter dangerous yeah you know we get into really good scoring positions we just don't really feel uh, we don't really feel that void um, just, I mean what, obviously I wasn't there but seeing the goals yeah it's a really poor goal to concede it's like a free kick I think just inside their half long ball into the box the, just pumped in just headed it and just 1-0 yeah. simple as you like I think um, I think we made a note saying maybe Kennedy could have jumped seemed to have got out jumped by Collins there but yeah but that's happened on, really on numerous occasions that Kennedy's been out jumped yeah really if he is injured then I accept that but maybe he shouldn't be the one marking the, the guy that's the target well, Col- well Collins is their centre forward so surely Mezegay or uh, your other centre back during Parks. the game should go and or whoever was yeah. there yeah you would, we'd thought so anyway yeah absolutely so just six minutes later, Kelly gave away a free kick. We were on the back foot, they were on the counter, and he took one for the team yeah. there. But unfortunately, um, well, he got a booking on that. And from that free kick, Joe McNerney scored with another header, pretty much carbon copy yeah, of the first goal. It was really poor. More poor defending again. So, really you know, to scout Lake Norwin, all you have to do is watch one game and you'll see how we're, where our weak spots are. And really it's really dis- not that difficult. Really disappointing to be 2-0 down just after 29 minutes. From nothing. Well, two carbon copies of goals, nothing. really. And you know, they've not been creative. They've not been really dangerous. They've just pumped the ball long. We've not dealt with it, and they've capitalised. It's it's basic, basic stuff. And when you think it can't get any worse, <laughs> three minutes later, later yeah. it gets even more bizarre. As but a... this, for me, was a bit controversial, because right. I haven't watched it back over and over. I've watched it back a couple of times, but... Crawley got awarded a goal in what I thought was quite bizarre circumstances because it didn't look to me like all of the ball had crossed the line. All right, well, let's talk about it first, then we'll come back to... So, another long ball. Yeah. 
This time, you know, Teddy Mezegay what does what he does best, and that's letting the ball bounce. Um, Baldwin then nips in. <laughs> Baldwin then nips in ahead of him because he's let the ball bounce. He's yeah. kind of like stuttering. Their man takes advantage of that and heads the ball, which hits the post, and then sort of cannons towards the, yeah, yeah. the line, and then Sergeant sort of slaps it back out. Now, from where we were sat, and the linesman wasn't that far away, he was only like, well, I'm showing you yeah. with, with hands, he was like there to where I am. So he wasn't in line with it, in, in line with the goalpost. He was not far from where we were, and we was just past the 18-yard box. So, so you don't, how he could actually call that, because you, you have to be 100% certain to give a goal. Yeah, yeah. You have to be. And I don't think he was. And well, there's a few people, a few Orient fans, who said they didn't, from where they were standing or sitting or where whatever they were doing, it looked like it wasn't a goal. But I guess at, the, at this level... A couple tweeted us saying it was a goal. Well, at this level, you, you don't have the benefit of four or five different camera angles. You don't have that benefit or goal line technology. Or goal line technology but a goal was given, 3-0 down after 32 minutes. Poor defending again. I mean, obviously, yeah, Mezegay letting the ball bounce is key. But, I mean, can Sargent be doing better? Coming that, off his line I don't quicker? think... Or for any of the goals, maybe? Not really. No? Not in that situation. Well, I, think... I think that was... I think it would be harsh if you blame Sergeant personally, but so Mezgo should be dealing with that ball. And essentially, not letting that ball bounce. Correct. Just boot it out. Yeah. Just clear it. So we were three 0 down. Or Sam should be giving him a shout, saying, "Get rid." Yeah. Just put it out for a corner. Whatever. Just, just, just don't mess about. Really. Yeah. yeah. So three down after thirty-two minutes, game effectively over at that point. Uh, incredibly, forty-third minute. You made a point saying Nicky Hunt wins our first defensive header. Yeah, it's a bit. bit were there any ironic cheers when? Yeah. Was it? That's why yeah. I made the note. Fine, because okay. we won headers. <laughs> yeah, but that was yeah, our first yeah. defensive head, and I just thought a bit, sort of being a bit sarky about it. Like Nicky Hunt wins our first defensive. Unbelievable. Head. And the thing is, you know, apart from Judd, that back four again isn't made up of kids. It's Hunt, Kennedy, and Mezegay. You know, Mezegay's mid twenties. Hunt is late thirties. Mid thirties. Kennedy's is mid to late twenties. So it's not like these are kids, naive kids playing at the back who don't know what they're doing. Exactly. So three 0 down at half time. Attendance now is two thousand nine hundred and eighteen. 792 Orient fans I mean that's incredible the fact we're you know bottom of the football league at this point yeah. things aren't looking great no one likes the owner everyone's unhappy but to get almost to get almost 800 fans into an away match is fantastic it so is well done to everyone who made the journey there including yourself Mr. thank Lee. you very much just in time as well no changes for <laughs> Orient at half time um, so that, that all kicked off and the sort of 10 minute stat into the second half that we usually read out I'm really pleased to be able to tell yeah. you that um, that that actually doesn't come into play in this game, but uh, Jimmy Smith had a shot in the 54th minute from a corner from the corner of the area, uh, saved well by Sam Sargent, and then in the 62nd minute, Rowan Lybird comes on for Josh Caroma. If Jimmy Smith had scored, I would have been hashtag fuming <laughs> like that. Do you know, if, if Jimmy Smith scored against you, you know you're having a bad. But I mean, Caroma was like a perfect example. He gets a hat trick at Newport, playing as a midfielder, like just. Bombing it, yeah. Playing up front, he hasn't scored since. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Um, and then you made a note sixty-two to seventy-one. Had a couple of chances, but they were fired wildly over. Around the seventieth minute, we looked like passengers as we allowed Crawley to pass it about and finish the move with a curling shot just wide. And I guess at that point, the results done, isn't it? Everyone just playing Free the game on it. Aren't they? Yeah. Seventy-second yeah. um, to seventy-seventh minute, where Crawley were sort of having a few shots. Uh, from distance and they just go I think just wide from where we yeah. were sitting it looked like it just went wide there wasn't much in it 78th minute Nicky Hunt failed to control ball in the box got dispossessed but their shot was fired over from close range and in 79th minute something I guess most of us would never so, so most Orient fans thought they'd never see 
Dean Cox comes on to face the O's and got a you put a rapturous reception. It was, yeah, they were singing his name and everything. And he absolutely deserves it after the service he gave the club. And now, now, now we'll be grudging that certain hundred percent. Agree, agree with you on that. Um, in the 80th minute, Henry Ochang made his league debut. He came on to replace Nigel Atangana. And it's the first time I'm mentioning Nigel's name. I mean, Dennis um, Adaman pulled me up on the fact that I've got this bit of a loving with Nigel, and I did have. But since he's been so poor, I mean, I loved him for the effort that he put in and the challenges he made and the driving the ball, you know, with the ball forwards and, and, and taking the pressure off the defence but he hasn't been doing any of that Nigel Atangana is unrecognisable from the play he was eight months ago to when he joined us unrecognisable and I know you know there's loads of behind the scenes stuff going on behind the club and obviously it does affect players but he's unrecognisable yeah completely different player all of them well not a lot of them are but Atangana's the most surprising because he was like your battler in the midfield he was your enforcer he was the one keeping it together but he, I, I don't know, obviously, I guess you know he's out of contract in the summer. I guess we'll talk about people out of contract a few episodes nearer the time as we get into yeah. the summer. But I don't know what's happened there. Maybe we'll find out. But yeah, unrecognisable. So three minutes of added time. Um, just just to jump back to Henry Ocheng, in his post-match comments, <laughs> Danny Webb compared Henry Ocheng to Kante of Chelsea, which is a real bold statement. That is a bold statement. Hopefully, bold. hopefully in the next coming years, we'll look back on... Tonight's that, episode 100 and say we called that we called his 10 million transfer Danny to West, West, yeah, yeah. Chelsea back in the game Man, <laughs> so as you say three minutes of added time have played out and we went down 3-0 uh, another difficult away day which you know really shouldn't have been I think the scoreline flattered them they had three chances scored three yeah. goals um, there's only really now seven games left to save ourselves from the drop yeah and then after the match Danny Webb gave a very blunt interview so we're going to spend a bit of time going through what Danny said um, because obviously it leads to further events during the week um, so we start by saying hopefully the penny has dropped with some people but this has been coming for a very long time I keep singing on my own about next season with the youngsters and I'm just waiting for somebody to back me up at the minute the only people who back me are the punters and the media so at least some people are seeing what I'm trying to do I have played down the staying up message because I knew with what we, we have got, it was always going to be hard. And instead of making excuses, I've thought about the positive things we have and looked at what we can do for next season, whether it's in the National League or in League Two. Hey, yeah, went on to say, at the minute, the fans and everyone else connected to the club have been living day by day and they have done that for a long time. And sooner or later, something has to be publicly announced about a plan. I'm out of contract at the end of the season, so I'm doing my best to put a plan in place. But I have no assurances myself and I feel a little bit hard done by in that sense. So he says a lot there. It does. He says a lot there. He's been very candid in the past. He's been very to the point, but he's never, ever criticised. That, that If you read between the lines of that, yeah. that is full on finger pointing, blame at... Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot we've left out of that quote as well, because obviously we don't want to just be reading quotes, but there's a lot that we didn't say in that. that he goes on more about kind of the situation, about what's going on. Um, so the league table then, is that defeat? Coupled with another minus three added to our goal difference meant we stay bottom of the league with the only positive being that both Newport and Hartlepool lost as well. Uh, and we'll go through the full League Two table uh, later in the podcast after yeah. the Wicked match. So Mr Lever, you were there, so your views on the yeah. corner game? I think as I said earlier, this game really felt more like more like two teams either pre-season or at the end of the season with really nothing to play for at all. Um, I felt 3-0 was, was a bit of a harsh scoreline, but yet again we start well and don't finish any of our chances coupled that with the fact that we don't 
you know, defend uh, set pieces particularly well. Um, you know, an experienced player will take full advantage of that. We, we really do look like a walkover. And we've been on the receiving end of some th- real thrashings, you know, three and four nils and the odd five nil as well. And they're becoming regular scorelines. So for me, really can't wait for this season to end. Yeah, for me, you know, obviously we worked rightly at the time of losing. So Absolutely. We, you know, yeah, to take it from the time. So just what can you say? Another terrible scoreline. Three 0 down after thirty-two minutes. Just very poor. Yeah. Very poor. Defend, defending for all three goals. Very poor. All cricket have been avoided. I've already mentioned that. That's not an inexperienced back four. Apart from Judd, mm. who's what seventeen. You've mm. got three experienced defenders. You've got Kelly and Atengana in the middle as well. Absolutely. And I made the point again about Massin Karoma. I think should have been playing in midfield with either Liebert, Dorbury, Abrahams, or Adebayo playing up front. Feel sorry for the travelling away support, and it shows that we still travel in big numbers. And ended by saying we all deserve better. Yeah, that was it. So a small roundup there for me and Paul. So, so those were our views. Your views uh, at Neil Kirsch tweeted us and said Webb and kids couldn't work harder, but they're all out of their league. We have no other options, and we are getting smashed by all. Yeah. I have to agree with that. Yeah, good to Twitter actually. From yeah. Yeah. Richie J. Bourne said Atangana is a liability. You cannot blame these kids. But some experienced pros' efforts are just not good enough. And again, that's a very good tweet there. Cheers, Richard. Yeah, at Starsin21 said, We are playing a team with nothing to play for and whose players probably want us to win. Embarrassing says nothing. <laughs> Jim586 says, Well, the cracks in a team full of unfit, out of position, inexperienced, irreplaceable players with no strikers is there for all to see. Billy Herring03 tempered his heated tweet and he said <laughs> Mezegay has let the ball bounce in front of him every game I've watched him play I learnt not to do that at under 8 he's rubbish Parks is rubbish <laughs> I can't I can't say what you've actually tweeted here uh, Billy but he, you go on to say Erico is rubbish and finishes off by saying you can't polish a turd very good there. absolutely you can't at Buchan JP says an open message to those youngsters <clears throat> watch and learn what the senior Orient pros do and then did the exact opposite. Yeah. I like that one. <laughs> Robin Saunders, 65, said, embarrassing embarrassing performance and scoreline. A number of players should feel ashamed of that. And I think this is one of the first few times in the recent past that people have actually started to get a bit annoyed with the pros and, and yeah. see that they're actually, they're probably hiding behind all the controversy that's going on off the pitch. Absolutely. And they're actually starting to lose their patience with the players. And there's only so much that... Absolutely. And this leads on to the next week. And this was the kind of first... Kind of tweet we saw actually questioning uh, Webb and some of the players. So this one came from at Lomax underscore Chris, who said, "Many questions today. Is Webb the right man? Are the youth actually that good? Uh, were our pros overrated to begin with? We cannot keep blaming off-field issues." At David Sears three, Massey aside, our senior players are useless. Not sure why people rate Hunt. He is absolutely woeful. Hunt seems one week to be amazing. Next week, just not heart not in it. I guess you could say same for pretty much all of them. Most of them, yeah. Charlie underscore Paul says, we need to look forward to next season now. There's no point worrying about matters on the pitch until we're sorted off of it. Yeah, really good point that. At M0PHO, I think we're done now. Danny Webb has done well in galvanising the team, but there's only so much you can do with an idiot at the top. At Lawton Gamps says, that was truly diabolical. Crawley aren't good, but they didn't have to be. This Orient team are going to get thumped in the conference, so at, interesting point. Yep, at Orient Fan TV, disappointing result today, but you can't expect to stay in the league if you can't head the ball in your own area. Alzate, man of the match for me. Good point about heading the ball in your own area. Yeah, of and course. Final word on the Crawley match, and never to speak of it again. O's fan basing says, if you can't defend, you have no chance. They only had three chances, but without a forward, you're not going to get that back. Danny's words, very good today. Trying to tell FB to back him or sell. 
Also, Mezzagay is obviously not rated by anyone. Yep. So, thanks for all your tweets after Crawley. We couldn't read all of them out because there's loads to go through this evening. Uh, but thank you for sending us your tweets and keep them coming. Prediction League updates. So, at LOFC1978, at Tommy T. Leaving, at RobMCC68, all predicted the correct result today. So, well done to you guys. But we're going to do an update on the table uh, later on in the show. Yep, Sunday 26th of March. Nothing to report. There was no ladies match. Nothing happened except Happy Mother's Day. So, hope you all had a good day. Yep, and on Monday the 27th of March, it's revealed that Miles Judd is shortlisted in the 2017 EFL Awards for the Apprentice of the... Apprentice of the Year award is up against Plymouth Argyle's Alex Fletcher and Cambridge United's Leon Davies. The annual award ceremony takes place in London on Sunday the 9th of April, so we'll be keeping our fingers crossed for yes. you. And good luck to Miles Judd. Absolutely, absolutely deserves it. It's been outstanding. National Miles recognition. Judd. Yeah, outstanding. Could be a dangerous thing. Scouts are obviously watching him, we know yes. that much. Yeah, so see what happens there. Yeah, good take, point. There. Take a cheeky 100 grand from now, or would you keep him? If it's Bichetti, Bichetti will obviously snap someone's hand off for that fee. Don't know. Don't know. We'll see. I'd like to see him stay at the club, but I guess it all depends on what league we're in. Yeah. So Tuesday 28th of March, local MP John Cryer tells a local guardian he believes it would be akin to losing a national treasure if Leighton Orient ceased to exist. So he was quoted as saying, it would be a tragedy if Orient was to go. It would punch a hole in the community. It is the second oldest club in London. It's unthinkable losing something like that. It's like losing a national treasure. It is an integral part of the community. You get generations that follow the club. Some people who were born there and moved away still come back for match days with their families. Yeah, exactly. Nice quote there from, from their local MP. And it's really, like you said last week, I think it's really, I didn't really ex- ever expect to be quoting MPs in our in our podcast, but it's really great. To, yeah. to, that it's, it's a shame we need that support and we have to mention him, but it's good that he's he's able to do that. My MP is West Streeting and he's already he's signed that, that early day motion. So moving on to Wednesday the 29th of March, it was a quiet day, but as we're turning in for the night, uh, about half 10, reports start to emerge that Danny Webb has resigned as manager of Leighton Orient. So we go to bed Filled with dread that there's truth in that. Yeah, so we started getting a few messages um, and it was one of those where it was so late, you're thinking, oh, you hoped it wasn't true, but then when you started thinking about it and reflecting on the quote from the Crawley game and the people who were telling us what they'd heard, you're thinking, oh, this sounds like it's done. Um, and then on Thursday, 30th of March, our worst fears are confirmed. We wake up to the news that Danny Webb has resigned from his position as manager of Leighton Orient. So quick... Uh, a little summary, Thursday morning, both me and Paul were early birds, both could see what was going on at about half six, and then we got followed by um, Alan, Brazil. Ali Alan Brazil on TalkSport, following our tweet saying it looks like it's true, um, and then at 6.45 in the morning, Mr Levy went on to TalkSport to talk about the club, um, and came up with a fantastic tweet, uh, which TalkSport used in, in part of their graphics kit when talking about the episode. Uh, I think you should read this, because it's your... It's your quote. There's no point in me saying it because I didn't come out of it. Right. So, so <laughs> I said, quote... Off the, a, off the hook. So you didn't have this written down, did correct. you? Correct. So you were just off the top of your all head. All of this is off the top of my head. Go on. My Go train on. analogy is, is, is one that I use all the time. The end bit with that well, I'll say was something that came to me as I was talking okay. to them. So um, they asked me, if I remember rightly, they asked me sort of what, what's going on and, and, and with, you know, Danny Webb and I said, really, it's... It's an unmitigated disaster, really, and quite frankly, just another nail in the late Orient coffin. With Danny Webb in charge, he's galvanised the team. The supporters were behind him, unlike previous managers, and 
Just when you think that there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, it just turns out to be an oncoming train, and Francesco Bacchetti is driving that train. Fantastic quote there. The last bit about Frankie was very made, good. literally made up on the spot. Very good. And that was from Paul Levy, host of the Leighton Orient. Co-host. No. They made a typo. <laughs> host of the Orient Outlet podcast. But that was fine. That was fine, Mr. Host. So Paul went on to talk sport. At this point, it was still unconfirmed, but Sky Sports had picked it up. Everyone had already picked it up. And at half past nine in the morning, the club released the following statement. They said, The club can confirm they have accepted the resignation of Danny Webb from his post as first team manager. Webb took over the job on January 29th, picking up two wins from his 12 games in charge, but leaves the club with immediate effect, along with goalkeeper coach Martin Brennan. And then the statement went on to say, Omer Risa will take over duties of first team manager until the end of the season, and his first game in charge will be Saturday's home Skybet League 2 game against Wickham Wanderers. He's very determined to make sure that the team finishes the season strong and he's looking forward for the challenge. Don't understand why Martin Brennan's left. That's flown under the radar. Don't right? know. A lot of people yeah, don't know. Wouldn't normally expect... You'd expect the manager and his assistant to leave, not the goalkeeping coach. Yeah. Something not quite right there. I'd quite like to understand what that's all about. Good little spot there. Good little spot. So, mm. your views in on Danny Webb's resignation in Mr Levy? Yeah, I mean... It's a, it's a real shame because I like Danny. Um, but for me, I've got mixed feelings about this because on the one hand... The owner really didn't give Danny a chance with poor recruitment and a mass exodus of players in January left him with a threadbare squad. That's a good point, actually. Like, no January kind of recruitment. Ryan Lightbow recruitment, and we And he's been very unlucky. Like, he's been unlucky with his injuries. A lot of senior pros have been either injured or banned. Like, Liam Kelly yeah. missing Nicky six Hunt. games. McCallum, who is your, your top... After Ollie Palmer leaves in January... After Jay Simpson leaves in January, the only senior striker you've got really of any substance with any record to back up is Paul McCallum. And he's not been fit for ages. So he's never really kind of had a chance to play McCallum because he's always been injured. So mm-hmm. he's not he's always been playing like Massey up front or Corona up front. Obviously, Barry he's got left on loan. Barry left on loan. Obviously you've got Dorby who's still very young, young yeah. learning. So yeah, okay, good point. Yeah. So we looked decent for the first twenty minutes of most games, but our big downfall was always the second half. We never really got going in the second half and we were sucker punched within the first 10 minutes of at but, least 12 games. But do you think that's the do you think that's kids though? Because I made a point, we'll come on to yesterday's match, but when I was saying yesterday about the lineup, I said that that team won't fade in the second half because it's not kid driven. There's only three kids in that team yesterday and we looked a bit fitter going into the second half because that would just be stamina from the kids. And also his reluctance. Well, they've only just had half time. Also his reluctance. Yeah, but it's still, it's still a it's still playing football for 90 minutes it's still a tough ask regardless of whether you have a 15 minute break um, also I don't know if you mentioned it later because I'm not seeing what you mean but maybe his lack of subs maybe kind right. of attribute coming on to that okay. yeah so I felt that tactically Danny really wasn't as on point as one or two of his predecessors and I think by his own admission he wouldn't make changes for the sake of making changes yeah. and I felt at times that the game needed changing and changes eventually came too late for, for them to have any effect the dropping of Alex Chizak didn't make sense to anyone and Danny tried to convince us that it was his decision to drop him. So I'd ask, why would you do that in our perilous situation? I mean, that would... For me, I don't think that... I don't think that... I'm, we've, we've been told, we've been told that that's not the case. It was a decision by Bichetti that Alex was going to not be available because he was going to leave in January. That didn't happen. So there's obviously a lot of fuss and chaos that had gone on around that. I don't think Danny was allowed to play Alex. I mean, that's, Personally. you know, if we speak to Danny, and I think we will speak to Danny fairly him. soon, um, I mean, that, that will be one of the main questions I'm sure that people would like to like to find out. And, you know, we're sitting here and we'd like to find out as well. And I guess yeah. if Chizak does leave the club, 
uh, in the summer as you'd expect him to. We're obviously trying to get Chizak on this podcast. It just and try didn't and find make a bit sense. It yeah. just didn't make sense. Alex at times in this season had get had kept our goal deficit at a respectable level and I can't help but think games might have been a bit different if Sam and Charlie weren't thrown in at the deep end you know I guess you can only tell if someone's very good how good someone is when you when you put them under pressure and see how see how they cope with it but you know now is not the time to do that um as I say, it's not really fair on either of them. And it's not really fair on us fans who pay good money to watch the team and expect the manager to put out the strongest squad he has available to him. And maybe that bit is the, is, is the key part of it. Uh, for me, the beginning of the end came when he effectively called for backing from the owner and he didn't get it. And finally, Danny knew what he was taking on when he took the job. He knew the setup. He knew the type of owner he was dealing with. And for me, maybe you should have just kept quiet, see the season out and see where you are at the end of the season. But... Maybe he's got something else lined up. I think he did. He did say in that interview post match. So maybe, yeah, maybe you got on something there. Possibly. Yeah. So Danny, thank you for everything you tried to do for the club. I, I thought you spoke well. You didn't um, give any nonsense. You were to the point. You were honest. Um, you knew what you was dealing with. So wish you all the very best of luck for the future, and we look forward to welcoming you uh, onto the podcast at some point. Absolutely. For and me, your thoughts? Yeah, gut wrenching, really, for me. Another man- manager leaves a club. Bit gutted actually, you know. Yeah. Yes, you know, we're, we're getting relegated. There's no, there's no denying that. But listening to Danny during the week, you know, he wanted to put a plan in place. He was talking about future planning, and I feel he probably could have taken us back up at the first time of asking. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I what do. you thought because of the plan that he talked yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, and he just seemed to already be thinking about things that the board aren't thinking about, and just seemed to be like a step ahead, and seems to kind of have his head screwed on. He's probably got a number of targets probably already who he's looking at to get in the summer. Well, he's been scouting, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and knowing who is probably leaving the club and having that knowledge, he probably knew what, what areas needed improving, but... Every area. No. That's not, you, don't need a, you don't need to be a football manager to work that way. And, you know, although we, we have been critical of him for his lack of subs at times, like most people probably have, he was doing a good job under the circumstances and was leading from the front. And, he, you know, whatever you think of Danny Webb, he did galvanise the support. Everyone was right behind him from the get-go. Agree, yeah. A great victory at Ports... Uh, sorry, not Portsmouth, at Plymouth. That free to win was just superb. Um, and a great win at Newport. And another manager leaving who will no doubt have a bright future in the game. Look at, look at Nolan now, Kevin Nolan. Went to Notts County and they were like down the bottom. Now they're like 16th, not hoping they'll be relegated. Guarantee next season, Notts County probably up there. You know, probably talking about Danny Webb this time next year is leading another team yeah. to promotion. And what can all the players be thinking and staff be thinking at this time? You know, seeing the turnover, it's just terrible. But good luck to Omer, you know, who now gets his chance to show what he can do in the final seven games of the season. And to be honest, I don't know too much about him from a coaching perspective, but we'll fully support him as always. And like you said, you know, we thank Danny for his efforts. He's done a great job. I enjoyed Danny Webb's fashion week. I was going to say, Matt, Matt Simpson's got to find something else yeah. to do now. Yeah, I know. Um, got to find a new hashtag, Matt. <laughs> but no, I thought, I thought Danny was good and it's just a shame that, that he left the club a promising young manager. Obviously knew all the kids and I think having had a summer that he would have got, he might have been able to do a good rebuilding job. I think you're right. I, th- I agree with you. I think next season if Danny was in charge and he was supported properly, I think we, we would have been strong contenders Absolutely. to come straight back up. Absolutely. I agree. He would have built us solid foundation, structures in place, people that do jobs, uh, specialists like goalkeeping coaches and whatever he was going to put together uh, would have absolutely yeah. uh, helped us. So I agree Agreed. with you. So great stat um, yeah. that we took off, uh, good brand stats I think it was, who said 16-17, Leighton Orient's 39 league games as follows, 9 for Hessenthaler, 2 for Edwards, 7 for Kivassin, 9 for Edwards in his second spell, 
12 for Webb. So Webb actually lasted longer this season than any other manager. Um, and seven final games, as it stands. Omar Ritzer. Ritzer. Whoever, yeah. well, we'll come on to Wickham after. Yeah. So uh, those were our views, your views, at Boatsy said any time a manager wants to chat to FB he's left with no option absolute farce it is, it is an absolute farce Andy P 73 so not surprised and feel sorry for, for Danny particularly after him wanting to speak to FB about the future and nothing now in the coffin surely that position of sorry, surely that poison of an owner has an unattainable situation now he has to sell get out of our club yeah Mr underscore T 82 he is a good guy. Resignation is a protest and not Danny giving up on the O's. The role is untenable, whoever takes it on. Yeah, Rob Caldwell, 154, says, Who would blame Danny? It's ruining his career by staying where he has no support. Crazy times continue while the EFL lets us die. I thought we mentioned it last week, the EFL and FA. Still not breaking any rules as Correct. far as I know. So. Correct, so they won't get in yeah. touch. At Bexer now tweeted and said, devastated, thought Webb was going, was doing the best he could with what he had, wish him all the best for the future. Yeah, at Reedy, QB9 says, this is a shame. I like Danny, Omer, till the end of the year. Are we treated to one more Italian? Just for banks. <laughs> at MP Allen, triple two, said, gutted, best manager we've had since Slade. Only manager who got the team playing Wish him all the best in the future. I probably agree with that, actually. Yeah. Craigie Dowling says the club is just barrel rolling from one farcical decision to the next under that moron. We need help. At D. David U, when will this stop? Season ends on the 6th of May, but this madness shows no sign of stopping. Our next seven games could be horrendous. At Dear Stu says, this for me proves that FB will still be at the helm next season. I won't be giving that man any more of my money. There you go. At El Coado, gutted. First manager in a while to speak sense and think long term. Results not the best, but with only the youth available, he did well. That's a good summary, actually, of his, um, of his spell. Yeah, good agree. summary. At Dunmark, this is very sad news. Danny has resigned. Guess he didn't get any assurance regarding next year, and so he needs to look out for himself. Yeah, at Samcast9, a proper protest must be the only option now. We've tried silence and diplomacy, and FB has taken no notice. Yeah, good point. And Kevin Cowden says, surely the authorities have to step in now and investigate this criminal situation at LOFC to protect a club that's dying. No, they really don't, Kev, unfortunately. At Harry O11 said, the scale of losing Webb could be one of the biggest losses of the FB dictatorship. Where will the great youth go now? Is FB selling Orient? Webb could, could plan a future now. Somehow, we'll have nothing. Someone will have nothing to plan. Someone will have nothing to plan with come the summer if he sells there. Yeah, good point. Fleety LOFC says he was a likable guy, Danny. He got the passion, etc. But he wasn't a great manager, as many have said he was. He did okay for his time. Eddie Howe was a great manager. Um, so I'm not sure where. Why we speak about anyhow? Uh, Webb lifted everyone's spirits temporarily, but didn't do much else than that. That's the harsh reality. At Joe Watts nine could have done a good job next season, but wasn't to be. Just hope FB sells up. New takeover, new manager, new players, and a new start. Yeah, case showing says I'm just bewildered by this latest development. But given the previous thirty three months, I'm pretty much numb to anything we face now. JWLRH cannot believe that we are powerless to this chaos. Any other business or institution would face a public inquest. It's a disgrace. At Lenham forces five managers in a season. Even Italy don't do things that barmy. Absolutely disgraceful running of our club. And then obviously a lot of people are speaking like Danny, but this is really bringing out kind of the uh, feeling, the bad feeling now towards Francesco yeah. Machetti. Like this is, an, again, another snapping point. Even though he hasn't sacked Danny, he's forced him into a corner. Yeah. He's had to resign. Correct. 
Yeah, and uh, good to meet you, Len, at Crawley. At Bradley Ackers, 95, another young manager who showed potential to be a great manager for this club, driven out by the chairman. And we'll end it on that Stu Futz, who says, concerned, worried, <coughs> nervous and scared for the future if the current regime stays. So again, thanks for all your tweets. There were loads that we haven't mentioned. So thanks for all your yeah. tweets on that day. So, Friday the 31st of March, we were saddened to learn that lifelong Leighton Orient fan and former North Stand steward Frankie Bish, a.k.a. Mr Orient, sadly passed away following a collision with a motorbike on Thursday night. Our condolences go to his family and friends at this very, very sad time. Um, and I think, I think that says everything. Uh, and if you look on social media, the outpouring yeah, of respect... Absolutely and uh, appreciation and, and, and mutual admiration that everybody had from him here. But if those of you who... I, mean, I knew his face. I knew who he was if I looked, if you saw him in the supporters club or, or wherever. But actually, um, he was also um, very well known. He also had a soft spot for Huddersfield Town. And uh, I didn't know that, but um, they also, as a mark of respect at their game... Yes, I don't know if we've got this in the plan later, but... They also put on their giant scoreboard yesterday as a RIP to Frankie Bish. They so, did, it was a great, uh, a great And Terriers thing. fans were also yeah. um, getting in touch and, and using the LOFC hashtag. So uh, a really, really great guy. Very, very big loss um, because yeah. he, his, heart, his heart was stamped with Leighton Orient yeah. on it. So Devastating news, that one. We wish all the family uh, the very, very best of of our wishes for the for the yeah, future and um, rest in peace. Nice one. Also on Friday, rumours spread that staff have not been paid and sadly, this turns out to be true. So no doubt, like we said, the club will say there was some issue with the international bank transfer or blame it on anyone except their own incompetence. Yeah, according, <laughs> I wrote that, yeah. Uh, according, to the sun, <laughs> according to the Sun, though, the players are willing to... And this is the Sun, the, the, the red top, for, for those that aren't familiar with it here in the UK. They are willing to, the players are willing to play against Wickham Wanderers. However, if the pay dispute is not resolved before the trip to Cambridge United on Saturday the 8th of April, Omaritza could face a player's mutiny. And the uh, Professional Footballers Association are aware of the situation, which is great for the players' yeah, yeah. sense, but... The Aders, the Lindsays, the Lizzies, the Steve Dixons and the, the so, Colin Mumford yeah. and Charlie and all the other guys, Joe and, and um, Colin Jack, all the other guys that are not covered by the PFA sucks massively. Have been told, and I believe the staff and players have been told, that they're going to get paid on Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, so keep, keep your... Uh Eyes and ears open on that one because if they don't, can, yeah. if they don't, we might have a team to play on Saturday, yeah. which would be fairly interesting. But again, we, you know, it's just absolutely crazy from Bichette. What is going on there? You know, he promised a million pound coming out of the um, loft HMRC. Out, out of the HMRC court case two weeks ago. But the, the more news that comes out of the club, the, the worse the news gets. Really, yeah. there's no kind of at the moment anyway. There's definitely no light at the end of the tunnel. It's just relentless. Isn't it? here. It's just relentless. It is, and it can't be. It can't be good to to to. Be working. I'm around. Must be on the floor. floor there. It's, it's terrible. So, we all we can do is hope that it gets sorted out on Thursday. Will it? No idea. We hope it does, and all we can do is hope that it sorts itself out. We shall see. Local Guardian report that Leighton Orient's prospective buyer is set to put a new offer forward, despite the debt being greater than the club value. The unnamed American publicly funded company initially put in a bid at the beginning of the month but were met with radio silence. It is believed the deal was to give owner Francesco Bacchetti the value, the £4 million he paid in 2014 to Barry Hearn, minus the debt. 
so the big thing here is uh, take note is uh, we'll go through it again I guess the figure is believed to be around 5 million there's also four other parties are interested in Neos but a spokesperson who cannot be named admit the company and this is the big point that I think it's been lost in translation a little bit so the company are willing to take on the debt but Bichetti has to walk away and give them the club. So the club, so as the, opposed to what the company won't pay Bichetti for the club, but they'll take but on they'll the take debt. it all on. That's, okay. that's their term. That's what they're saying. Okay, I presume but Bichetti is if he's even in dialogue, he's saying no, I want my four million, and you take the club and the debt. So he wants ten million, not or nine million by those. Well, months. he wants to pass over the debt, and I guess he wants back what he's put in. But okay. I guess more on that as it breaks. Shona at the Guardian seems to be the one uh, with the source on that one. So if you don't follow that Guardian or or Shona, give her a follow. And she's she's the one. She'll I keep you up leading that one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, why is he not accepting this? You know, does this suggest he's not willing to sell? Is he in no two idea. minds? But nobody knows, and this is just sort he of must thinking be, out If loud. he doesn't want to sell, he must be absolute mentalist because he must be taking a financial hit on it, and he can't keep not paying people because at some point someone will step in or the court step in and relieve him of his ownership so at some point it's, it's going to come to a head so he either needs to put his finger out and start play, paying or set up and take money while he can while he's still got that option agree idiot yep happy birthday to Leighton Orient SLO Karen Harrison on Saturday the 1st of April a yep. very happy 21st birthday to you <laughs> <laughs> so that leads us on to Wickham at home so the team was announced Sergeant uh, in goal Hunt Mezegay Parks back with Kennedy, Yance, Kelly, Collins, and Semedo, and Karoma and Liebert making up the rest of the team. Subs: Janata, Clark, Oching, Monica, Ozarte, Abrahams. Four changes from the Crawley game is Teddy Mezegay, Jens Jantz, his first start since the 8th of November. Remember, remember him? <laughs> Thought he'd gone. Michael Collins and Rowan Liebert are named in the team. First year scholar Arthur Janata is named on the bench. The following players all miss out through injury. That's Alex Chizak and Charlie Granger with groin trouble. Miles Judd back. Sammy Moore and Gavin Massey with a knee problem. And Paul McCallum is still a long-term absentee with his fibula. Yep, the club also announced that Frankie Bish was named as the 12th man, which I thought was a lovely little touch. Absolutely. So for me, I thought that was a bit of a Bichetti-inspired team, to be honest with you, with bringing Jens Jantz back in. And when you have Alzate on the bench, why wouldn't you play him? Um, I, as I say, I really thought Jans had left. Yeah, for me, you know, I was, I was surprised to see Jans back. But I guess when you look at the, the amount of injuries we've got, who else is there really? Um, happy to see Liebert start, actually. And then I ended up by saying... I agree, actually. It's such a muddled team, they might pull off a surprise. Yeah, you're the most optimistic I've ever seen you. <laughs> the, the, more, the more it goes against us, the more optimistic I'm getting. Yeah, it's ridiculous. the more so, bizarre it gets, the, the more <laughs> yeah. you think. Yeah. So a lot of tweets um, about the team lineup, loads about Yance um, being included. A few tweets also implying we would get battered. I think the prediction league, there were loads of like four nils, five nils, five ones, four ones. Also a few tweets saying that the team wasn't picked by MF, must be FB influenced. I guess due to Yance's inclusion on that, uh, and a few tweets suggesting that some of the players might be striking already and might not really be injured, which is a Strange one. Yeah, well, we're not, not saying they are, that's just saying what, no, that's what, just what, 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 what people were saying. Yeah. yeah, The programme also announced that the new goalkeeping coach was Erdil Bozkurt and Federico Moraes, previously Leighton Orient's foundation phase lead coach. He's been promoted uh, and is one of Omar Ritzer's coaches. Yeah, and a point to note before we start talking about the match is that the ref was the same ref as the Plymouth at home match where you remember that um, Robbie Weir got sent off after about 20 seconds, yes. closely followed by Jens Jans in the 14th minute. <laughs> Yeah, 
in the same spot he did another sending off yeah. that we're going to talk about it's exactly Absolutely. the same spot so the match starts with Orient kicking off towards the north stand which is south stand as we like uh, good atmosphere Yeah, good atmosphere I would say we lined up in a 3-4-3 formation with Hunt, Mezegay, Parks in defence Jansen, Kennedy on the wings and I thought we started really well Yeah, fifth minute unlucky not to be one up corner from Collins Mezegay's header of course, it was clean off the line and didn't go in, of course. That was that was de- genuinely unlucky. 11th minute, neat play between Liebird and Karoma. They linked up well they for most of that game, well, yeah. actually. Liebird laid off to Karoma, who took a touch before shooting. Uh, keeper good save. saved that well. Good save, actually. Keeper Karoma. saved that yeah, well. Karoma yeah. just couldn't Tight get angle. past him. Yeah. Tight angle, that. 19th minute, great block by Mezegay, actually, uh, from an Akin Fenor shot seven yards out. For me, that I must thought, have hurt. I thought Mezegay started very well. I thought Mezegay was... I thought he was started well. They looked look compact at the back. And Jantz. Yeah, surprisingly. Surprisingly, I thought Jantz, he didn't do anything spectacular, but what he did do, he did it... Yeah. You know, did it well. Yeah. Or, you know, I think it's worth pointing out here, we were playing well at this point, solid, and the better of the two teams, really. Uh, I think and then ta- the game... I think, think tactically, I think Matt Bristow mentioned at half-time, he said, at that point, tactically, Omer had got his tactics spot on because we were getting more men in midfield uh, than Wickham, we were passing it around, us and we were getting it out wide. So at that point, we were, lo- we were looking good. Yeah, I don't think they lived with us, really, no. for the first 20 minutes. Um, we were playing well, we looked solid, better of the two teams, and then really... The game-changing yeah. moment in, was in the 27th minute. Yeah, so 27th minute, Parks um, lost, mispasses the ball, goes to a wicked player and then drives it forward. Parks goes in on him with a high challenge um, just inside the Wickham half. Referee straight away, without a shadow of a doubt, pulls out his red. Um, most people on the ground seemed a bit bemused by that. This is a tough one. It was a very high boot. I watched seen that, him given, seen I watched, him not given. Yes, exactly. I think that's the point, is that you shouldn't be putting the referee in a position to be making those decisions because sometimes they're given and sometimes they're not. And when you're down the bottom and your luck's against you, it goes against you. Yeah, you and we had, you know, there's two guys sit behind us. One said that's a straight red because he's miscontrolled the ball and he's gone and knee high on the man take him out. Oh, and the other it's one, like and stomach high. Yeah, and then the other one said, oh no, it's not a, it's not a sending off because it's... It's a yellow. It's a yellow. But, you know, I think the fact the referee pulled it out so quickly... Was a bit surprising. Um, Parks looked shot, but in football on five last night, said, "Oh, he was correct." When I talked about it, I said, they said, "Of course it's red." You know, yeah. look at look at look at the look at the height of Parks' knee into their player. You can't yeah. you can't do that, whether you catch him or not. And, and unfortunately, he's caught him slightly. See, I've watched it back three or four times this morning on the highlights on Orient player, and it doesn't look like he touches him, but he of. <laughs> It's a bit weird because it's not conclusive. I think Thompson has definitely seen it coming and definitely played the ref, like rolling around, definitely played through it, but Parks has put himself in that situation and the ref has been very quick to give it. 100% spot and, on. and that has been the game-changing moment in that match 100% for spot on. So, I, I'm not sure if he touches him. Someone behind us said, I don't think he touches him. In the South Stand. You can't you see it that You can't well. see that in the South but Stand. But I've watched it back a few times and I just, I'm not sure if he does and whether the Geezers play, the Wickham players played for it. Also, I don't know. Also, Parks is now out... Uh, that's a straight red so what's that is it a one or a two, uh, two. I don't know what it is but it definitely means he misses Cambridge away and it may be looting away so two games where you really want Parks to be there he's yeah. not going to be there now due to a send enough so Cambridge away and Hartlepool at home no no it's Cambridge Luton in Hartlepool Cambridge on the Monday right, yeah. so yeah. following that we went 4-4-1 Lee yeah. playing up front on his own and in 37th minute Wickham took the lead it's Bloomfield scores past Sargent after more bad luck it's Kennedy Ball, the ball gets long ball I think there man control it uh, it came loose in the box Kennedy goes to hit, make a clearance he clears it against Collins then the ball falls into Bloomfield's path on the right hand side 
and he finishes it under Sargent. It was a good finish, to be fair. Um, and you know, when Bloomfield scored, he looked slightly embarrassed to score. He just ran, just ran to the touchline, just kind of stood there with his hand up, looked almost yeah. embarrassed to score. But what terrible luck! What terrible luck! Yeah, if 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 Sam Sargent had spread himself more, he wouldn't have nicked it in under him. I thought it was, I thought it was no blame to Sargent. It was just the clearance, isn't it? But like if Kenny, if, if, if that clearance bugs. doesn't hit Collins, it goes it goes goes out. out yeah. Stand. So I mean, just when you're thinking, well, that can't get any worse in the 38th minute, we can make it two 0 Yeah, it's something even more though. controversial. Fashion. Controversially though, because it appeared, and I've watched this back as well, Miles Weston shoved Janser into Sargent so basically the ball's there's coming a long, there's a long ball long ball it, forward yeah. another ball that's long ball pumped forward um, and essentially what's happened here is is that Jansa is shepherding the ball and shielding the ball yeah. as Sargent comes to gather it yeah. inside the 18 yeah, yeah. yard box so he's perfectly uh, re- right to do that and then Weston shoves Jansa yeah. who then collides with Sargent who drops the ball yeah. or the ball comes out and Miles Weston's just left to tap into an empty net. Jansen sat on the floor looking at the ref. The ref looks at him and goes, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're lucky. That one's pretty clear on TV. That, that's, a that's a clear that's shove. That's pretty clear. Yeah. But it's a clever shove, though, because it's not a blatant shove. Correct. He's not, you don't see him do no, full arm he just gives him a body. He's just literally yeah. just shoving the back. And 2-0, you know, game mm. over. Man mm. down, two down, 38 minutes gone, game yeah. over. After that goal, the, uh, the banner, are we allowed to say? No, you know what I'm saying? The B word banner comes out, makes its first appearance of the day in the South Stand. It's, it's not its first appearance in the uh, in the stadium. I'm sure it won't be the last. After, it's after a swear word for male genitalia beginning <laughs> with B. I think is the safest thing we can say. Family show, still family Absolutely. show. The rest of the half played out. Wickham looked comfortable. You know, it could have been three. I think Mezzagay made another terrific block from Malak and Fenwell Folly. Samado got booked just before half time. We went in 2 0 down. Yep. So, decent start. Again, we were on top until the sending off, and then two quick goals have really killed the match yeah. off, and two controversial decisions both going against us. And that Charles Shakespeare really doesn't like us. That is Charles Shakespeare? I think that's his name, isn't it? No idea. No yeah, idea. It's something Shakespeare. Fine, okay. So, tenants announced 4,526 with 766 fans. Decent travelling support from them. They don't usually travel. They're doing right. I mean, they've still got they've still got a decent chance of making a playoff, Playoff, haven't they? So they've still got something to fight for. It's an outside bet, yeah. They were class, though. They were very good, yeah. I'm sure we've probably got stuff written. So no changes for Orient at half-time, but manager Omar Ritzer was sent to the stands for the second half following comments made to the referee at half-time. In Omar's absence, Federico Moraes gives instructions from the bench and it's important to note that he is the first team coach and not the under-14s coach, as is being reported by some media outlets. Previously, he was the league youth development phase coach, but he stepped up following Omer's appointment. We also received uh, an email from a chap called Gustavo Costa regarding Federico, and he says as follows, I've seen there's some confusion about Federico, who took, who took over on Saturday. Yeah, he said, I'd like to clarify that he's been at Lane Orient for three years, he is a UEFA Pro license, which is the highest coaching qualification available. And Danny, Andy, and Omer have only UEFA A, um, so he has the Pro license. So I guess that's good. He's 29 years old and has been a football coach for 10 years. He's worked at Boa Vista FC in Portugal, AC Milan, and AS Monaco at academy level. He has coached international Portuguese players such as Andre Gomes, who's now at Barcelona, and Bruno Fernandes, who's now at Sampdoria. What the hell is he doing at Leighton Orient? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I've never heard of him. No, until Saturday. The name rings a bell. Federico Moraes rings a bell, and I don't know why, 
But what a pedigree of of academies he's worked at. I don't know where he's come from, but yeah, it's brilliant. Unbelievable. So, so, so he's he's currently the first team coach, and I think and and he he goes on to say, I think the fans should know that we have young quality coaches with experience, qualifications, and knowledge at the club. So I don't know who you are, Gustavo, but thank you very much for getting in touch yeah. and putting that out there because you know not a lot is known about the academy setup and those within it. Everyone knows Errol, but not yeah the coaches and all of that. And we always like if any false information gets put out, we like to correct that. So obviously the Sun Sport ran with a headline, I guess, to make a bit of sensationalism saying the under fourteens coach ended up coaching. Well, the Sun, the surely. They don't do sensationalism, <laughs> do they? Well, so anyway, the second half. Although they did publish our uh, Jay Simpson interview, so we've got to be uh, Nah, they stole it. <laughs> so fiftieth minute in, so following the second half kickoff. 50th minute you saw the minute applause for Frankie Bishop it was a lovely moment I thought, I thought that was really nice Fantastic. everyone stood up announced it. Wickham fans stood up <coughs> Ainsworth was clapping all the Wickham bench all standing up clapping as well oh. Shuffle was a nice touch everyone was doing it which yeah. was great that was um, nice actually because we, that made up for the fact that Gareth Ainsworth was a complete I can't say that word on, on, on a family friendly podcast when Parks is foul and all the other things that go against his team and he's oh he's, he's gesticulating he goes mad and uh, there's a little uh, bit of squaring uh, up Ainsworth redeemed himself after yesterday following his uh, donations to the to Loft and, 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 yeah. and for the clapping of um, but he lacks class the guy in game don't he know. lacks class I'd rather have someone like that at the moment than, than, uh, than not it's probably someone yeah. who, who we need so sorry anyway yeah. lovely also noted Huddersfield also put Frankie's name on the scoreboard which was a lovely touch um, really nice to see so second half not much really 64th minute great save from Sam Sargent to stop Saunders making it 3-0 as his shot looked destined for the top corner uh, I thought Saunders was very good actually I thought Saunders played really well yeah for them um, Jens Jantz comes off for Abrahams in the 66, uh, 66th minute uh, we thought Jans was doing okay. Probably done fair. okay. Didn't he was, really do much. He wrong. was never going to last ninety minutes following, you know, not, not having played a first yeah. team match in almost six months. Seventy third minute, Dorby came on for Lee Bird. I thought Lee Bird done okay. When we I had agree. eleven v eleven, he was actually doing all right. And some nice link up play. Never really Kramer. got himself a sniff of goal, but done all right. Yeah, agree with right. you. Uh, so seventy fifth to eightieth minute, decent spell by us. Crowd were getting into it and putting Wickham under. A, we were putting Wickham under a bit of pressure, really. And Abraham's had a snapshot which was saved well by Blackman. He was a big boy there, goalkeeper. Wasn't he, he was. Chelsea, Abraham's he? done well as he well. He did like with that. He kind of got it. Angle. He didn't need to look up. He knew where the goal was, and he made he forced Blackman into a decent save. So power. I'd like to see Abraham's get a goal soon. Actually, I think that'd be good for him. And in eightieth minute. Kramer was replaced by Alzate, who done well again. I thought Alzate. I, like, I do like the look of him. I do as well. In the last ten minutes, the game's played out with Orient fans in fine voice, including classics such as Bacchetti out, sack the board, and f off Bacchetti, and many more yeah, there from were. the classic repertoire of late <laughs> Orient. It was like a great, like a greatest hit set. It was like the encore and the greatest hit set. And Wickham so. were joining in with us as well. It was amazing. So thank you very much to all the Wickham fans. Yeah, definitely the loudest protests in yeah. the stadium today. And that was, you know, most people at this point had enough. So I'd never personally sang against Pichetti until yesterday. But yeah. it got to that point yesterday, five minutes left, and it was just time to sing. And the banner that we spoke about earlier was also amazingly unfurled on the <laughs> on the balcony, much to everyone's amusement. I mean, how they've got it up there was superb so well done to you young men who are whoever you are well done <laughs> I think there's a group of you but fantastic work and uh, well done good work good work because obviously that that has got the message out again to the media that appeared on a lot of national papers that banner and lots of like, big Twitter Twitter accounts so well done highlighting 
um, the fans on rest there. Yeah, three minutes of injury time are played and the final whistle goes as we lose 2-0 and edge closer to the relegation trapdoor. That was our 17th home defeat of the season, which is the joint worst home record ever in the lowest yeah. division. What a disgrace. So if we lose to either Hartlepool or Colchester... That will be the worst home record ever in the lowest division of English football ever. So following the match, Omar Risa. <laughs> so following that, Omar Risa said the red card was way too harsh. It was Parks' his first tackle, and whether he has gone in high or not, he hasn't touched Wickham's player at all. Yes, he's high. So give him a yellow and crack on with the game. I thought it was very harsh. With the second goal, the linesman should be in line with the deepest defender, so he can see everything that is going on, and the referee should be in a good position to see it. And they weren't. It's two decisions which have cost us. Yeah, it goes on to say, on Francesco Bichetti, he says he didn't have a say on the team, hand on heart. The only thing he said to me was that I have seven games, do whatever you want, do what you want with the system and make the decisions you feel is right and try to come out with the points. Yeah, and regarding team selection, George Sessions reported in the same kind of piece about Risa, said that Webb and FB were involved in a heated exchange on Thursday 23rd of March, two days before the Crawley match, as FB told Danny to pick a specific starting team at Crawley and Webb went and ignored his request and stuck with the younger players. It's also understood that they clashed Danny and uh, Francesco again after the freedom of defeat, which resulted in Webb handing in his resignation. So very interesting points there. Very interesting, which you don't normally get to hear about yeah. uh, through official channels. Yeah. So the league table, uh, as it stands, with six games left, we're still at the bottom of the football league. It's obviously not looking very good. And all we really need to tell you is that we're yeah. nine points from safety with six uh, games left. So that's 18 points in all. And we need to win four from the last six and for Hartlepool to, well, I mean, to, look, to n- drop as well. Nine points behind. But I mean, even if we win three games for those nine points back, our goal difference is so terrible. It wouldn't make a difference. Well, you need ten points then, so, don't you? Well, um, yeah, I'd say, well, no one else. It looks unlikely that Hartlepool or Cheltenham will lose their remaining six. So I'd say a minimum, even best case scenario, we need to win four from six. Which when you've only won nine all season, it's a tough <laughs> yeah. ask. Yeah, and apart from Hartlepool, who you go, oh, we, we might have a chance of sneaking that one. Yeah, we five. haven't. Well, we haven't. Embarrassingly, we haven't. Well, we've got Luton away to come, Blackpool away to Cambridge. come, Colchester at home to come. So there's a, there's, a, there's a few tough games in there. So your views on yesterday? Yeah, I thought we started off really well and surprisingly Mezegay and Jantz were doing well. Uh, we had a lot of possession and for me, I thought we were the better team for, for a long period of that game. Obviously, the game-changing moment, as we said earlier, was when Parks got sent off. And having watched the incident second time, several times, as I said earlier, I'm not really sure if Parks is really even connected with the player. But as I said, you shouldn't be putting the ref in that decision, that position to be making that sort of decision. And people would debate whether it was a red or a yellow. Sadly, it's happened. We can't change that now, so we have just got to crack on. Seems the ref loves sending off Leighton Orient players. <laughs> he does. Um, he does. The second goal, Weston clearly shoved Jantz in the back. He didn't give it. And you could argue that Sargent and Jantz uh, should communicate better. But Jantz was shielding the ball for Sargent. Didn't expect to win this game. But I felt Omer's tactics and and game plan overall were good. Uh, Lots of injuries to players who didn't have them before. So wondering whether they are really injured. Uh, was told after the game that the bank accounts have been frozen, which is probably why they haven't been, the, the um, employees haven't been paid. But all being well, they should get paid on Thursday. And was also told that the club groundsmen have run out of paint to mark the pitch, fertiliser to fertilise the grass and the lawn, which is probably why it doesn't look as healthy as it has done wow. in the past. Wow. And there isn't 
the any petrol for the lawnmowers because the petrol cards at the jet garage at the top of the road are not being accepted. That is how badly run everything is at wow. that club. Loved all the singing and all the Orient fans in one voice singing passionately for our club and possibly the most collective we have ever Agree. been. Agree, like it. Your Good views? Up. Yeah, a very decent showing until descending off. Which changed the game and the two quick goals just killed us. You know, up until that point, Omed got his tactics spot on, like I've already said, and I think we were looking bright. Half time, though, at two goals and a man down, it felt more like a pre season friendly. I remember saying at half time, it just feels like a friendly now. Uh, Mezegay, I thought, done well. Sergeant's distribution, which was really good under Danny, I thought, was slightly off yesterday. There's a few times where he could just kick the ball straight out of play from like um, spot kicks. Collins' delivery from set pieces was very poor, I thought. I thought Collins has done very well in the last couple of games. I thought yesterday, though, like from his corners and free kicks, they weren't very good. Kelly made a few basic errors as well yesterday. I was quite surprised. Yeah. Uh, uh, but the same again, played for the shirt, which is all you can ask. You know, I love the banner. I thought it, I thought it was brilliant. And again, yeah, fantastic. it's getting the message out there to, to more people who don't know about it. I thought Theo, the mascot, needs to speak about him. Superb work for Theo. Yeah, he's good and he's really funny. good. Big respect to Wickham fans for joining in with the Orient songs. And to quite a few of their players, actually, after the match, we tweeted uh, about Orient as a club. So Sam Saunders tweeted about Paul Orient. Hayes. Paul Hayes even followed us and said he used to go as a kid, so maybe he's a closet Orient supporter. I mean, we saw that follow come in and we were both a bit surprised by it. Yeah. There was another one or two. Well done again to Gareth Ainsworth for donating to the Regeneration Fund, to Huddersfield for putting Frankie's name upon the scoreboard. Great atmosphere again from the fans. Loudest FB songs yet. Shows what great spirit we have as a fan base and hopefully sends a message out to the board that they are no longer wanted at Orient yeah good round up and I think I don't know what was wrong with Sam Sargent's kicking yesterday but it was really off kilt it really, was yeah it was, really cool. yeah it was a shame so those were our views we're going to crack on with your views now uh, Patrick won flood no luck bad refereeing and could have been worse we still have such great supporters who deserve much more yeah at Dublin's 10 so for no particular reason I'm as annoyed as I've ever been the Hubris of one man has brought the super club to the edge Yep, at Jimbo1404 said, thought we were in the game until after the joke of a second goal. Those officials should be ashamed. No consistency. And Johnny underscore 2699 says, Lee Bird and Mezegay played well today. Easy to see why Yance has been frozen out. Best thing was to protest though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jack Coates 14 said, thought we played well before the red card, but after that, everyone lost belief after the goals. Love the banner. Yeah, superb banner. At Baggy's House 42 says, this afternoon was about being a no supporter. Some laughs, some tears for Bish, and good footy in place. Love yeah. the O's. Bill Fleet Heat. Loved it when Omar Ritz had told me to calm down just before half time when I yelled at the fourth official and then he gets sent off. Brilliant. Well done, Bill. <laughs> David Barrett 15 says, why was Gavin not in the squad? And Judd and Granger, they weren't limping in five guys at lunch. So, good spot there. I don't know where five guys is. Stratford, I presume I no I don't think there's a five guys at Stratford no I did I don't know good, yeah good Ingle, Ingleland yeah let us know tweet us back please David let, or DM us let us know Ingleland 2010 Parks' foot is high but on the replay there seems to be very little contact how did the ref Mr Blayton push yeah. for the second a kid Samson says if Bichetti stays <coughs> my old man and Ma are off to Bromley FC and I'm going to go to AFC Sudbury so that's just 68 years of season tickets between us hashtag Bichetti out and there was quite a few tweets of people saying if Bichetti is still here next year they're not renewing their season tickets at Emo Havering some people can be eradicated and replaced at a football club and Bichetti can and will be but Frankie Bish won't yeah, be spot on at LFC 1978 it's depressing but used to home defeats now fans moaning about team selection but not many options for Omer 
Ref was awful, never a red card. Push on the ants for second goal, just completely killed us. Full look though came before that. Fans great with applause for Frankie Bish. Had a lump in the throat. Yeah, at Rekka Blue, Blue App said, too many amateurish defensive issues like that costing us. While, while times are hard and there's a lack of resource, some of the defending is awful. I'm inclined to agree. And the final word on Wickham goes to Pankpy007, who sums it up superbly. says, a wonderful minute's applause. Born a balcony, a banner, oh, yeah. a top chance. Supportive away fans, football and me aside. Yeah, so one of the ball, one of the clearances meant that the ball landed on the balcony of one of the flats. Yeah. Just just for clarity on that. So thanks for all your views. Um, Prediction League update at Harlow Orient at Alex uh, Rosie at O's Fan Basing at the Authentic Gaz at Floodgates correctly predicted a 2-0 loss so well done to you and the title looks like it's going to O's fan basing who's opened up a six point gap at the top of the league from his nearest rivals the full um, Premier League Sorry, prediction league update uh, can be found uh, on our Facebook page. Yeah, the I, I think I was a fan base. I think Mark has won it now. Maybe. Unless someone can come and sneak in. But keep predicting. Six games left. Yeah, still a few 3-0, 4-0 thrashings on the pass. Yeah. Fantasy football update. Elliot Hartfree Pierce still leads on 1,673 points. Just headed Barry Underwood on 1,659. I have dropped one place to 26 despite forgetting to change my team. So not a bad win. It could have been much worse. Imagine what would have happened if you had changed I had uh, Bosnia's number one in goal. Getting yes. three points against the Hammers. So well done, Eldin. Yeah, there you go. Assistant groundsman Joe Newton left the club after the game. He has joined Fulham. Fulham. Yeah. And uh, so we uh, to continue his groundsman career. So good luck to you, Joe. And it was good chatting with you last night as well, buddy. Yeah, so leads us on to today, Sunday 2nd of April. The ladies team was supposed to be playing Watford in the League One Cup semi-final, but the game was postponed as Watford couldn't make it. Yeah, and um, as a last sort of minute addition to our plan this week, we have um, a Loft update for you. So we are now joined on the phone by Loft's uh, Adam Michelson. Adam, welcome to the show again. Thanks for giving up uh, some time for us this evening. Um, When we spoke to you last, it was really, you gave us a really succinct uh, and a great roundup of what uh, happened with the court case, what it all meant, uh, etc. Uh, it was a couple of weeks or two or three weeks ago now, so we we're just hoping maybe you'd be able to give us and the listeners a bit of a, an update uh, as to perhaps what's been going on behind the scenes at Loft. Good evening, fellas. Uh, um, well, you know, a couple of weeks gives you an opportunity to take stock a little bit. Um, in terms of the legal position, really nothing is now going to happen until until the the, the court date um, in in June. Um, we'll get a feel for what's going on between now and that and that date, mostly from 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 creditors who we're we're speaking to on a uh, a regular basis, um, who will give us a, a, a clear understanding from their perspective. Because frankly, we're going to understand a good bit more about. Uh, what Mr. Bichetti's intentions are from from his relationship with people that he owes money to, um, you know, we're, we're we're in contact with a significant quantity of those people, um, and if people start telling us, well, look, they're being paid, that's going to give you one indication of 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 exactly what's what's going on, and the and the notion that well, maybe he is actually making good on his promise to settle some of his debts. Um, we're not hearing that so far, and in fact, the list of people that are contacting us uh, and asking for help uh, uh, and advice as to what to do in respect of unpaid bills is growing. Um, but that notwithstanding, in terms of pure legal process, 
we won't hear much more between now and that and that date. Um, and the information that we're getting in terms of the, the financial state of the company, like I say, is coming mostly from from the creditors themselves. And like I say, we're not seeing any movement in the right direction at this stage, unfortunately. So what's the plan then from Loft's perspective at this moment? What what can Loft be doing or what are Loft doing? What can you well, divulge? I there, appreciate there, there, some stuff confidential. I mean, our position remains clear as it did previously. Um, we will certainly be ready on the uh, in, in June when the when the return date for the court turns up. We're probably not going to know um, until two or three days beforehand in terms of whether or not Mr. Bichetti has made good on his promise uh, to, to fund the club again. Um, but that notwithstanding, if he's not, um, it's our view that the court will take a pretty dim view of any broken promises. And at that point, we will need to be ready with, with alternative solutions to present the court with in order to prevent the winding up petition becoming a winding up order. Is there... Uh, what happens, and, you know, if, if I'm off kill here, I apologise, what happens if he doesn't pay the staff on Thursday? Because obviously, you know, a lot's been made of not paying the players and staff at the club and he, and we've kind of been told our Thursday's a day. What happens if he doesn't pay? I mean, does anyone get involved who isn't currently involved from the FA? Or? Well, that's... That's a, that's a very good question. One of the problems and one of the, not problems, but one of the distinctions that is made in this situation is between the playing staff and the non-playing staff. The playing staff, as we understand it, are being, will, will be covered by the PFA um, going forward, at least until the end of their, their contracts, subject to a variety of conditions that, that um, it's not really worth sort of getting into the detail of. The non-playing staff don't have the same protection. As such, um, there are a number of options open to them. The most obvious one being that, that you know, if they're in, if they're in uh, uh, a situation where they're not being paid, they, they, they're effectively the club are in breach of contract. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a simple matter for people to simply walk off site and say, well, look, you know, if I'm not being paid, I've got a family to feed here, I've got to do something. Um, uh, uh, and, you know, at that point... You have to you have to, to to feel for them and say, look, you know, if someone's offering you the opportunity to, to go and work elsewhere and, 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 and pay you a proper salary with a with a proper company, you, you'd have to respect anybody's decision to, 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 to take that. In terms of outstanding balances, they can they can pursue the club for unpaid uh, salary in the same way that a creditor would pursue a club for unpaid debt. The rules are slightly different. Uh, in the event that the, the club were to become insolvent for uh, for salaries than, than it is for creditors. Uh, but that notwithstanding, those are the, the, the two fundamental um, uh, choices that, the, that are available to to staff. Now, it's not for me to, to, to advise them or to, to say what they ought to be doing. One thing's very clear is that the staff that we've got have gone through a, an appalling situation. I can't imagine. Imagine that it could be anything other than complete hell turning up every day to work in the environment that they've had to work in for the last three years. Um, and yet they continue to do it and they continue to do it because of their commitment to the club and their, their, their commitment to, to us as a, as a group and to a, a, as a family. And as such, I would, I would think that it would make for a very difficult decision for, for any one of the staff to have to take to say, well, hold on, I'm not being paid. I'm going to have to go and find a job elsewhere. But in, in, in reality... If, if 
staff aren't paid on an ongoing basis, you know, you have to you, you'd have to respect the fact that that, that they would go and seek employment somewhere else. And just to be clear, the Loft Regeneration Fund isn't in place to help cover these sorts of eventualities, is it? It's not. Um, our mandate is is not for that purpose. And indeed, we were very clear um, at the uh, at the previous. Uh, members meeting on the 3rd of March, any funds raised would not be used in any way to fund the existing regime. Um, now, from a, um, from a sort of a help and advice perspective, we're, you know, we'd be absolutely delighted to, to avail the, the staff of our, of our legal team, our legal services, which could be provided on a pro bono basis if necessary. Uh, and any help that they need in that respect, we'd be we'd be more than happy to help them with. Um, but as a as a matter of mandate, we're not mandated by our members uh, to to pay that the wages because yeah. payment of the wages would constitute assistance to the existing regime. And, and and to be truthful, my view is that that's going to prolong prolong the agony. I would ask the staff to to, to bear with us because. It's, it's my firm belief and my firm hope that one way or another very soon we'll be in the hands of new owners. Um, uh, uh, and, you know, the sooner that can happen, the easier things will be. But I quite understand um, that, um, you know, there'll be members of staff that simply can't afford to keep working for nothing. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's the shame. So you think that, that a new owner is, is sort of just around the corner, that, that he'll genuinely sort of have this opportunity to actually speak to Biketti because either he's lost his tongue, he's gone mute, or he's gone into hiding, <laughs> one of the three, um, because he doesn't seem to be responding to anybody except Vito. So you, you, you well, want to, just to pick up um, on what you I said. I mean, we are, we are aware of, of at least two serious groups that, that have been interested um, we, we, uh, even the, the difficulty that the, uh, anybody, not just potential investors, but any other stakeholders, uh, you know, creditors, players, managers have had in, in having direct communication with him. Um, it, you know, it's, it's very difficult for us to kind of get involved really at this, at this stage. Um, but that notwithstanding, you know, you've only got to look at what's what's gone on, and one way or another, we cannot envisage a situation where he could possibly. I, 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 frankly, none of us understand why he would want to stay any longer if he if he's not willing to fund the club, and he clearly isn't interested. And all that's that's happened has been this sort of ongoing maelstrom of of, of a combination of poor management and and you know the, the the destruction of the club from the inside out. We wouldn't understand why anybody would be motivated themselves as an owner or an investor in that environment. Um, so, you know, our, our our firm view is that that any sane, rational person would say, "Okay, look, enough's enough." Um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll give somebody else the opportunity to to see if they can make a better fist of this. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, thank you very much indeed for coming on. Really appreciate, and especially at such uh, yeah, such short notice, yeah. and and obviously it is now quite late. So appreciate that, and we look forward to to hearing from from yourselves or Loft and the committee um, with any updates in future episodes. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Pleasure. Cheers, Adam. All thank the best. Bye bye now. Care. So that was Adam from Loft speaking. So um, updating us there since the last podcast. So. Very interesting. So two very interested parties in the O. So and firm belief that the new owners are, are literally just waiting to get in. So there. hopefully, hopefully something will come off the back of that. Yeah. So um, 
Well, Harvey, so we're going to move on now to positives and, and negatives from the week to end the 100th episode, which is turning into a bumper episode, hour 22 so far. So positive so far. So, you know, still got them, still got them. First positive, mash atmosphere yesterday was superb and the fan spirit is definitely there, even more so after yesterday, after everyone sticking together. Second positive, well, we've just heard there from uh, Adam from Loft. Lots going on behind the scenes, Loft working hard behind the scenes and hopefully... You know, putting those plans in place, uh, and to finish, fan relationships with other clubs. You know, we spoke at Huddersfield this week. Wickham, we saw it coming out. The HRMC court case, where loads of Pompey fans all over it. Loads Halifax. of fans from other clubs everywhere. So, really good. So there are positives, uh, even though the times are very tough. Yeah, and the negatives this week: another two defeats, meaning relegation looking more of a certainty. Yeah. Injuries and employees not being paid. So. Yeah, really, Ter- yeah, really, really harsh, uh, negative, harsher negatives than I think we've had before. Yeah, negatives be that we never thought we'd be talking about in yep. terms of some of them. So, hero of the week. So there isn't one this week. We're not having a hero of the week because we're going to dedicate uh, this episode uh, to Frankie Bish. So yeah, this episode gets dedicated um, to Frankie Bish. Our monumental one hundred episode. I never thought that a we'd get to a hundred and b we'd have we'd be uh, donate uh, you know dedicating one yeah. to a lifelong fan. But I'm glad that we're able to do yeah. that. So next week's fixture is just the one fixture this week. Yeah, as we travel away to Cambridge, uh, straight up the M11 for yeah. the M11 derby. Cambridge beat Crew away yesterday, and that was thanks to a Luke Berry double, who is actually a very good player. Very good. Ran the show against us back in the. He did. Uh, Back earlier in the Good season. Point. Yeah. They're eleventh in the league. They're five points off the playoffs, but they've got a chance of sneaking in there. Yeah. So that's it. Thank yeah. you very much indeed for joining us for our epic episode. It is our one hundred. It's okay. epic in a different way. It is. So it's been another crazy week and a half at the Orient uh, with the defeat of Crawley, followed by the resignation of Danny Webb in the week, the appointment of Omar Risa, the tragic passing of Frankie Bish, plays not being paid, staff not being paid, everyone plays not being paid. All culminating in a defeat to Wickham at home, which saw the ref against us, saw luck against us, but also saw a great atmosphere and the loudest anti Bichetti chance yet. So, you know, message clear from fans. You can try and destroy us, but you won't break the spirit in the ground. So, we've now moved into triple figures and we are very proud Centurions. We are I very proud Centurions. So, yeah. Thanks to everyone who has listened to any of our first 100 episodes or any of our interviews. You know, here's to the next 100. Episode one, if you remember, back in July 2014, started with a new owner at the helm. And we hope at some point in our early hundreds, we'll be able to bring you news of a new owner. Uh, and, you know, first hundred episodes have had news of two relegations. It already had one, you know, the second one's probably coming. And our fingers are crossed for two promotions to talk about in the next hundred. So yeah. the biggest thank you goes out, you know, to you guys now listening. Because if you didn't listen, there'd be no point in doing the podcast. Absolutely. The figures are still very strong. Very good, you know, strongest probably they've ever been. Twitter and Facebook and Instagram accounts, all, you know, loads of interaction. So, yeah, all me and Paul can do is say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Yeah, we'll be back next week with episode 101. That'll have all the information and views that you could ever need. And this week, we are going to play you out with a bit of a classic. Yeah, I'm just going to cut off saying that. But before you we know, do that, we are going to have a full blown out party people episode as soon as it's feasible. Yeah, so if relegation is avoided, there'll be some huge party episode. If not, when we shut yourselves up. So even though the, this 100th episode has been a bit muted and not as uh, vibrant as what we would have liked it, there will be some big, big um, 
episode coming we'll try and get as many people on uh, in terms of guests as possible and we'll try and make it the big hundred celebration of what tonight should have been but what's unfortunately is not yeah, yeah it's a bit of a sad one so uh, as we are on our way down in terms of the number of games left yes. to play this week we are going to leave you with a Europe classic yeah. it's called the final classic countdown yeah. for you guys so you can air guitar it all along thanks for listening <laughs> have a good week we'll see you next week and up the O's yeah, up the O's